week, we looked at um, our brother John's introduction of the story about Jesus and his gospel, his version, the good news about Jesus. And if you remember, we compared it to the, briefly compared it to the other stories about Jesus in Matthew and who's the other guy? Mark and those three guys. Uh, quite different. And John's gospel starts off with this. I've struggled to find the right adjective all week. It just almost seems so hard to grasp and philosophical. I don't want to say airy fairy when I talk about the Bible. In fact, there's the wrong impression. But it's so full of deep thoughts. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but I told you when it says, in the beginning was the word, that, that phrase literally means, before the beginning even began, he, Jesus, was already there. And I've been thinking about that all week, and my brain still hurts, thinking about the Jesus that we worship was already there before everything got started in the cosmos. Maybe it's my science background, maybe it's trying to figure out physics and chemistry and stuff like that. I spent too much time in the laboratory smelling chemicals. I'm not sure, but I just can't get over that fact before everything got started. Jesus was already there. And he made everything. The Bible says, without him, nothing was made. So he was there at the beginning of all things. But he's not just some omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient being way up there. John's story about Jesus continues and says, that, uh, are you are you that one works. Okay, <laughs> great, sorry. The, the first segment is kind of this cosmic beginning of Jesus, and then it continues on, and it focuses, starts to focus down, narrow its focus into human beings. And John continues, oh, let's, sorry, let's go back and just review those, uh, what we learned last week. There, great. Sorry, we've been having a little bit of challenge, but it's all good. The Word, we were talking about last week, existed before creation. He was equal to and distinct from God. He was and is God. He created everything. He's a source of life for all mankind. And the good news is he cannot be defeated by the darkness that exists in the universe, okay? But then John continues on in his story, and this is what he says. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He was a witness to testify concerning that life, so that all through him, all so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. So all of a sudden, this big cosmic light of the world, the attention is focused down on one human being. Now, John the Baptist wandered into our worship service this morning. We would all be moderately taken aback because the Bible records him as a wild man, kind of a street preacher, an uncouth, definitely an interesting choice of wardrobe, an interesting diet, and he lived out in the blue dots of the wilderness and, and he was out there preaching 
telling people to get ready for the one, get ready for the Messiah. And he got himself into so much trouble with the authorities that the Bible tells us eventually he literally lost his head because he was preaching out against the corruption of society at that time. He definitely got people's attention, but he was not the light himself. He just testified to the light. He said, hey, get ready. It was kind of the, the, pre, the warm up act to the main event of Jesus, okay? You know how sometimes you go to a concert and there's a few bands that throw up just to get the, the crowd pumped up, or in a, in a comedy show or something, they, they send out the, the cannon fodder to kind of get people laughing loose up before the really important shows on. Well, John was kind of like that. He was the warm up act for Jesus. And he came and he was very clear about his message and said, It's not about me. It's, not a, it's about him. And just you wait, you will see. In the meantime, get ready. Get ready for God's message. Prepare the way to the Lord. Clear out the way. Clear out all the rubble and junk in your life and get ready for the, the light of the world to come into your hearts. I think one of the things that God wants to tell us this morning, think about John the Baptist's message, we've got so much junk in our lives that we need to clear up so the good news can penetrate our hearts. Kim, I love how you let us in confession this morning. Keep it up. I was on the verge of saying, here, you, you just keep going, keep preaching, okay? And please don't react like that because one day you might do that. But just preparing the way, we need to confess and get the junk and the rubble out of our lives so that there's a way for the gospel to penetrate our hard hearts. I like eating the steak. I occasionally eat red meat, okay? I mean, that doesn't offend too many people, but I do. The cats of meat I buy generally need a lot of marinating to be palatable. And uh, so the more you marinate it, probably the better as far as I'm concerned. And the gospel needs to, we need to marinate in the gospel. We need to marinate in God's grace to let our tough, old hides allow it to penetrate into our hearts. Because life is tough. We put up our defenses. We default to, to fear and control so often because life is so challenging. We walk around with these hard shells on. And the job of John the Baptist was to challenge people to drop their defenses, drop their issues with fear and control and wanting to be in charge of their own lives, clear up the rubble and say, okay, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Like, get ready for the good news about Jesus to come. And that's what uh, John was talking about. So he was only a witness to the light. John says, the true light that gives light to everyone who's coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. All of a sudden, the light, this person, is described as, this being of light is described as a human being, as a person. He was in the world. And even though, here's the ultimate irony, even though he made the world, people didn't recognize him for who he was. Remember last week we talked about making introductions and how you introduce someone and trying to make connections? 
you know, so-and-so lives in your neighborhood, or so-and-so is from your hometown, or so-and-so has the same profession as you, hoping to make that connection. And John, introducing the story about Jesus, describes him as the Word, which meant something to his Jewish audience, and it meant something to his Greek audience. So he's trying to make that connection. I don't know if you, first impressions are lasting impressions, aren't they? You only have one chance to make a first impression. How many of you have realized that your first impression of a person wasn't that great? That's, that's easy. No, it's okay. Don't, you don't have to show your hands. I don't want you to feel guilty. Oh, they're judgmental for judging me. No, 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 don't worry about that. I, we will not judge you for being judgmental if you don't judge me for being judgmental. But we can often look at a person just briefly and form an impression and go, oh, that person is like that. We, we do that as human beings, right? We meet someone, we find out um, who are you, what do you do, where do you live, and we already know what they look like, so we've got, we slot them, right? Well, sometimes that's helpful, sometimes it's not helpful. But in the case of Jesus coming to the light of the world, so many people did not realize him. They looked at the first, their first impression of Jesus, and I think they wrote him off or rejected him. They didn't realize that he was the light of the world. Now, why do you think people would do that? Why do you think, and this is a chance for you to respond, so think about a verbal answer, okay? And this is just rhetorical. Why was it that when Jesus came to his own people, they didn't get it? The ultimate irony, and it makes me so sad, it breaks my heart to think about it, the fact that Jesus would come to his own creation and his own... God made the decision to, to incarnate Jesus, for Jesus to become a human being at a particular time, in a particular location in human history, okay? So the word that made everything, all of a sudden, before history even started, he enters into human history with all the limitations of being a human being. The Bible says he willingly gave up his rights as God, all of that, to become one of us. So he knew all of our aches and pains and sorrows and griefs and all those things. And you would think that people would be so glad that God finally showed up after, especially in the Jewish nation where they've been anticipating this literally for hundreds of years of all kinds of prophecies pointing towards Jesus, prophecies and predictions are going, oh, he's here. Why do you think so many people, and even people today, why do people not recognize Jesus for who he is? Now I can respond. Why do you think that? I'm sorry? Jesus was humble. Yeah. That, you know, from a public relations perspective, maybe we could have given him a little help. You know? He didn't ride into Jerusalem on a big white horse. It was a little donkey. Yeah, he was humble. You know, I wouldn't have had him born in a barn, talking to a bunch of shepherds that were in that society weren't even allowed to testify in court because they weren't reliable witnesses. How would you like a bunch of people like that running around saying, hey, God showed up? 
it was humble. But that's what we love about him, right? Like, that's what is so enticing. And it, 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 to me, who is, I still cheer for underdog sports teams. I can't help it. I've been rooting for the underdog all my life. It's just the fact that Jesus is humble, is so attractive. It's not what you would expect from the creator of the universe, right? But it's so attractive. Why else do you think Jesus was not received or, or rejected by his people? They were blind. They were blind, yeah. Do you know what? We only see what we want to see, right? That's another one of the ironies about human nature. We can have the truth spelled out in front of us, but people only see what they want to see. And the Bible describes us as spiritually blind, willfully blind. And when we pray for people, I'm thinking of a conversation I had with someone in a coffee shop recently, um, trying to explain who Jesus is, but I, I will not resort to manipulation, church, we don't have an invitation that lasts, you know, 30 minutes with all kinds of emotional music trying to get you to respond in a particular way because that doesn't last. I mean, emotions are important, but manipulation is evil and ungodly. So we try to lay up, persuade people, persuade them about the truth, but we don't manipulate them. But ultimately, God has to get someone's attention, right? We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Yeah, so people only see what they want to see. Why else do you think people rejected Jesus? His message was extreme. Yeah. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Like, come on. You know? Uh, in fact, he wasn't a real successful preacher. First sermon, first public sermon in his hometown, they tried to kill him. Thank you for not doing that. Even if you do feel like it, to me, I think I appreciate you restraining yourself. But can you imagine, you know, Jesus says, he's reading of the Old Testament, says today these prophecies have been fulfilled right here, and they grab them and they want to throw them off a cliff. The Bible says it's just intriguing. He just walked through them and left. I don't know what happened. I would have loved to have seen that. But his message was extreme. And ultimately he got killed for claiming to be God. Of course, he backed up those claims, but yeah, that's something that we have to choose to believe. Why else did, was Jesus rejected by his own people? Right. They had different expectations. So when we meet someone for the first time, those first impressions we have and our expectations, if they don't meet, there's kind of a disconnect. They were expecting someone else, someone different. Next week, we're going to talk about the, the content of Jesus' message. I don't know if you're familiar with this uh, quote from a um, Canadian thinker. His name is Marshall McLuhan. He's very famous for saying, the medium is the message. And this is true about Jesus, I think, because the way that Jesus conducted himself is not just the way he talked, or the words, uh, or the thinking, or the philosophy behind Christianity is just who he is, 
is ultimately the message. And that's why um, it says, even though those the world did not recognize him, he came to that which was his own, yet his own did not receive him. Yet, and here's this where this is the encouraging part of the message this morning. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And that is the good news in this story. Even though people rejected him and didn't believe who he was, yet there were some who did receive him. Now this word receive it's a common word used in Christianese lingo. You need to receive Jesus. It does not mean checking off some kind of intellectual list and just thinking in your head, yeah, that sounds good. I think I believe that. It's so much more than that. The, word, the Greek word lambano means uh, when you receive someone, it's like fully embracing all of who they are. Okay? Um, after the service, I might long bottom some of you, you know, and no, no, we won't go that far. But just, it, it's more than just, oh, I think that's a good idea. I think, uh, I think I'll sign the back of this little New Testament and say, this is the day that I received Jesus, and then um, in case I die, no one more than going to heaven. And a little Bible in the shelf and look at it from time to time and then that's it. No, you, you, when you receive Jesus, you fully embrace who he is and believe his claims to be God and all of a sudden he becomes the boss and we have to give up our control issues, control of our own life and fully embrace him and fully receive who he is because receiving Jesus um there's no such thing as receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. Either he's the boss or he's not. You understand what I'm saying? This is where some of our theology gets a little bit fuzzy. Jesus is the boss. Okay? That's, that's ultimately it. We turn our life over to him, and all of a sudden he shows us and guides us how to live. And because he's the light... That the light, the life of all mankind, he offers us that light, which transforms us and starts changing us from the inside out. So even though people, Jesus did not meet people's expectations. Jesus offended people with his message. People just refused to hear him. Yet, to all who received him, Everyone who received him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Let's think about that all word for a minute. To all. Um, to follow Jesus doesn't matter who your parents were, where you grew up, if you went to church or not, what your score in Sunday school was, what your score in school is, what you do. It does all of those external things do not matter, because it says to all, all who received him. Now think about that. Think about our propensity to judge people by the external experiences and 
they're never going to make it. They're not going to. They're not going to fit into the club. Algorithms. Uh, you know, they're not going to make it. There. There's no way they can be God's family. Not, not that anyone here would be that. Or me in a good day. But Jesus says, again, to all who received Him, to all who can fully embrace Him. That's a tremendous promise because it doesn't depend on us. It doesn't depend on our goodness. It's a good thing that our salvation doesn't depend on our goodness, right? Mm. Who's following the Blue Jays these days? Okay. Who's the Blue Jays' best hitter? Batting average. Bautista? Okay. Okay. Yeah, we have a news expert over here. Okay. Bautista. And uh, his batting average would be about around 300 somewhere? Which means three times out of ten, Jose Bautista successfully gets hit. It's on base. Now, if you want to get the Baseball Hall of Fame, it helps to have a batting average of around 300, which is really, really good for a baseball player. Hall of Baseball. That is awesome. You fail seven times out of ten, but three times out of ten you succeed. That's really good. Imagine we're trying to say to God, well, God, you know, I failed seven times out of ten, but I succeed three times out of ten. What do you think? Now, nobody bats 100, right? Nobody is perfect. And if we all relied on our own innate goodness or behavior to gain acceptance with God, we would make it, and we know that. Yet to all, all who received him, he gives us the power, the authority, the right to become children of God. And this is interesting, children born out of natural descent or a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Now, what that means is that when, when natural babies are born, the way I understand it, two, two people will have to get together somehow and make a baby. Okay? That's my biological understanding of that. But to be born of God, it's not the result a human decision or anything like that. To be born of God, it's God's decision. He reaches out to us and stirs something in our hearts so that we reach out to Him and respond to His grace. And that's how we know we're spiritually born. We're spiritually born again because God has caused something to happen in our hearts that we, we fully embrace Him. God is always looking for people who want to respond to Him. You can absolutely be so sure of that, that when we're born of God and we fully embrace Him, it's because God's been stirring something in our hearts. Now, I don't know what God is doing in people this morning. I don't know. But he does promise to all who receive him, to all who fully embrace him, you'll become one of his children. That's a great opportunity. I don't know what shape you got here this morning. I don't know what's going on in your lives. I have no idea. I had kind of a miserable life getting here. 
with all kinds of outside stuff going on. But Suzanne and I are here fully expecting God to work. So I'm going to encourage anyone today that if God is stirring something in your heart, and if you want to go public and say, yeah, I follow Jesus, I want to fully embrace him, you can become a child of God. Or maybe you've been wandering in God. Maybe you've been kind of, nah, not so. God, I like that. I kind of like you having you there, but don't, don't boss me around. You're not the boss of me. And you realize that that's not working for you. And now's a good opportunity to get things straightened out with God. Let me encourage you to do that. If you, if you feel distant from me, I would like to repent. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing a public baptism. That's an outward symbol of saying, hey, I follow Jesus. Really powerful public imagery. It's all about going down to the water and being raised up and saying, hey, I'm dying to the old self. I'm, God is bringing me up. He's making me somebody new. Okay? So you might want to think about that. Going public with Jesus saying, I am all in. That's what baptism means. If you want to think about that, if you want to have a conversation with that, about that, I need to do that after the service. We're going to sing our closing song now. And we're not going to sing it 15 times to try to make you do something. Okay? We don't do things that way here at the chapel. But I am encouraging you to respond today to God's invitation of love to be a child of God. And maybe you just need to reconnect with Him. Maybe you just need to, maybe. During that confession time, there was something that God tweaked to you and saying, ah. if that's the case, I encourage you to come and talk to me after the service. Or talk to someone you trust. Let us know how we can help you. If you're interested in getting baptized and going public, you can let us know that too. Okay? I promise not to pounce on anyone here. I do invite people. We will not allow people to pounce. But God is inviting you. He's stirring something in your heart that you need to pay attention to. You need to pay attention and obey what He's saying. Because the Creator of the universe is personally interested in you. He's personally interested in your struggles. And He's interested in transforming you into a new person. Wouldn't it be foolish and unfortunate to ignore that? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that as you work in people's lives, that you would encourage them to respond to you in a concrete way. Lord, your spirit is here, and he's operating in us and leading us. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just that you would draw people to yourself for your purpose. In Jesus' name.